witch shouldn't keep secrets from other witches. Bad things happen when she does. Well, greetings and welcome to the We Read Books podcast. Woo! <laughs> that was a party. It's a party in here. It's a book party. It's the best kind of party. Party of two. <laughs> party of two. <laughs> you get seated faster at restaurants that way. True. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> We are a podcast that reads books and then tells you about them. We talk about it with each other. We talk to your ears about it. Right in your ear holes. <laughs> it's for our own entertainment and hopefully for yours as well. That's exactly right. And that's wit. And that's mad. Oh. Please visit our social channels. Our Instagram is at We Read Books Pod. Our TikTok is also at We Read Books Pod. And our email is We Read Books Pod23 at gmail.com because everyone has a Gmail. <laughs> it's the one that's lasted the longest. It really has lasted the test of time. Yeah. AOL who? Nah, she did. <laughs> I actually have. An AOL email that I use as my burner email. That's so amazing. At department stores when they're like, you want to put your email? I'm like, sure. Sure I do. <laughs> Send me them coupons. <laughs> and then I say at AOL.com and they know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, this bitch doesn't check that email. <laughs> no, I do not. I haven't checked that email in probably 15 years. They checked the box of getting your email. That's right. And you helped them out. So That's right. That Everybody wins. There's like a whole algorithm that all those people have and they have to have so many email signups, so many this, so many that. So I'm just, I'm keeping my burner email for you guys. Helping out the customer service people That's out right. there. That's right. Their job is hard enough. Just give them the email and move on. Yeah. The burner email. You don't have to give them your good email. Yeah. And if you don't have a burner email in 2023, what on earth are you living your life like? <laughs> <laughs> you just getting that many emails in your regular email? Get out there and get yourself an AOL. Come on. Just, I mean, obviously you can't make one. Just make one up. Yeah. For fun. Yeah. I think you can still create like a Yahoo yes, account. Yes, I, I have a Yahoo email. So yeah, that's like the next best burner. Yep. You know, AOL is like the OG for burner emails. But Yahoo's next in line. And sound a little, sounds a little more legitimate, so. Yahoo! <laughs> I almost did that! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, friend. You're welcome. <laughs> so, if you did or did not listen to the synopsis episode, mm -hmm. I will still tell you that this week we're covering our third book, which is A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. And this is our first fantasy. Whoop, 
I think fantasy is probably my favorite genre to read. Mine as well. I think if I'm reading for pure enjoyment, yes, it's you. It's almost always a fantasy. Give me the creatures. Give me the magic. I want all the. I want it. All, all. of it. I want it all. The sprawling landscapes. Yeah. The cool houses. Just yeah. all of it. I want it. Yes. I do tend to prefer a period fantasy. I want them in medieval garb. I want them to be wearing chainmail. Oh yeah. Um, but you know this one is modern day yeah. set. Yeah. So the witches, it's fine. I'll read it still. It's st- still very good. There's it's still yeah. Heavy in historical yeah. references, so the it kind of gives you. Nice. It gives you that that taste that you want for that. Yeah. And it's set in Oxford, England. And I just feel like everything feels older in yeah. England. Yeah. It still gives it that period feel without yeah. it being yeah. in another period. At least exactly. not in this one. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, spoilers are going to happen. Yes. Obviously, there's a synopsis episode. Has the front page to the last page. Yes. Spoilers. We're going to discuss now. Spoilers. The synopsis was literally an end to end. (laughs) It is from page one to the final page. And surprisingly, there were still a lot of things we left out. We just hit the important notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty long. Yeah. It's probably going to be longer than the discussion. (laughs) But we had to tell you everything that happened. Right. And we had to work really hard not to discuss while telling you because that, that's, that's that's my jam. (laughs) Yeah. It's so difficult not to like get in it, in the minutia. Right. That's where I like to live. Yes. Yeah. It it just, it flows. So it's, it's hard. It was hard to stop. You're in it. Yeah. You're (laughs) thinking about like that moment in the book and you're just like. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up and move on. (laughs) This is not the time or place. (laughs) So just a little info about the novel itself. It was published February 8th in 2011. We're a couple days late for its publish anniversary. It's February 10th, the day of recording. So this is kind of an anniversary episode. But we're close. Happy accidents. Yes. uh, And then uh, written by Deborah Harkness. Fun fact, 2011 was the year that Deathly Hallows Part 2 was released in theaters. So it's a good year for fantasy. It, it was an excellent year for fantasy. I turned 21 in 2011 and went to see the premiere of Deathly Hallows for my 21st birthday. I don't know how you can really do anything much more exciting than that. I know. It, it premiered on July 15th and my birthday is July 18th. So, just a couple days late for that premiere premiere, but yeah, opening weekend. You it's, got it. Yeah. You got it. And Jerry and I, we went to Orlando to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter to see the last movie in Harry Potter World. If you haven't been, please just let me tell you. It is such an incredible treat to your eyeballs, to your soul, to your taste buds. Oh, butterbeer? Get out of here. Hot, cold, frozen. It's all good. Frozen's my favorite, but all the butterbeers, all the treats. 
it made me happier <laughs> than most days make me being there. It's yeah. it's a true experience. It's, it's so immersive. If yeah. you have not gone, I'm pleased telling you, do it. Please do it. It's so worth it. It was so fun. It was a really excellent way to spend my 21st birthday. I didn't go out and party or get drunk or anything. The flight attendant and the flight back, because we flew back on my actual birthday, and she's like, do you want me to make you a drink? And I was like, on a plane? Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you trying to clean up a mess? Unless you can make me a butterbeer, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a spiked butterbeer, thanks. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, Dre actually took me for my birthday. It was very... That's amazing. She's, she's the best. But yeah, it was a, an excellent year. For me and for fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Hitting all the high notes. All the highs. (laughs) So first order of business is to talk about the world of the novel. Like the setting. Yeah. And the people who make up the setting. Yeah. You got a little bit of it in the synopsis, but we're just going to kind of go over it a little bit more. Maybe in a little more detail. Yeah. So we're in Oxford, England. I think Oxford is a small town about an hour from London. Ish. Ish. But Oxford is one of the oldest universities on the earth. So it's... Very prestigious. Hyper prestigious. And super old. I cannot... I did not see Oxford when we were in England. Which is a real miss on my part, I feel. But... You'll get it next time. We'll hit it the next time around. But <laughs> I envision it to be quite beautiful. I think we, we, you know, we talked about Diana, her accolades. She's a history scholar, specifically the history of alchemy. She is Dr. Diana Bishop. And much of the first part of the book takes place in the Bodleian Library. Yeah. And so. then we kind of move around from there. But Yeah, yeah. The first few chapters... Yeah. Kind of open each chapter with her yeah. in the library. Yes. Yeah. We're so. in England. We go to France. We go to America. But yeah. we don't really move around too, too much. No. 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 We go to Scotland for like a... A hot second. Hot second. Literal hot second. <laughs> it's like a page in right. Scotland. Uh, should we go through the other prominent characters or just jump into the creatures of the world? Hmm. Let's... Let's talk about the creatures, I okay. think. Because I then listed each character as to what creature they were. True. Yeah. Let's 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 give you some info on what they are before we tell you who, who they, they are. are. <laughs> so besides humans, we have three types of otherworldly creatures. We're gonna start with the main one, which I say the main one because our main character, or one of our main characters is this um witches. They have supernatural abilities. There are too many to count, really, as we've stated in our synopsis that Diana has a million and one of them. She has all of them. (laughs) All of them. Every single one of them. I can kind of go over some of them for you again. So we've got precognition, flight, I'm assuming without a broom, just straight up. Yeah, it didn't. Body flight. I wish there was a broom. I'll be honest. Does it feel too superhero-y? Kind of. For them to fly without it? Maybe, maybe... Or, like, Maybe their stance in the sky, maybe if it's a bit more witchly. I don't know what that would look Uh, like, but... 
Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be so bothersome. Yeah. Finding things. Trans more. I said it. I said it spot on last time. You did. Transmogrification. Boom. Speaking with the dead. Telekinesis. Casting spells and charms and curses. Telepathy. They said empathy in the book. I feel like that's a human emotional thing, but perhaps that's a magical thing as well. Just like maybe, maybe feeling, liter- literally feeling other people's emotions maybe as a power. A- influencing emotions. Possibly that too. Mind reading. And then there's all your elemental powers. Witch wind, witch water, witch fire. And then there's like herbal magic, your, your earth stuff. So... That plus, I think, even more. So there's a lot of powers. And I don't think I mentioned also precognition. So being able to see the future. Pretty much witches are traditionally born to other witches that just... It's, yeah. I don't even know that it really skips a generation. It just seems like if you're a witch and you have witches, you know. Yeah. And you have children. They themselves are witches. Yeah. Perhaps their powers either are more, depending on the the family lines that intertwine or maybe less Mm -hmm. just because of how things are working for witches, but witches have witches. It was mentioned in one part of the book that there was uh, this group in Nigeria, or maybe it was just an individual in Nigeria, but they believe that witches' powers came from stones in their stomach, which is an interesting concept. That is interesting. I think it does have some merit because I I heard that theory, surprisingly, like in a cartoon that I watched. In Owl House, I swear that they said something. They say something about it being like a stone in a witch's gut or something like that. That so is weird. I, I almost want to like research that a little more. But as in, you know, many stories, there's a particular prejudice between witches and vampires. I don't know that demons really get a lot of issues, but... No. So, that leads us into the next one. Next is demons. They typically have awe-inspiring creativity and intelligence. Sometimes they have some precognition abilities as well, but it is rare. Demons are born like witches so they can be born to humans and witches and are unsure of their true origins or how they came to exist they can also be born to other demons but there is no guarantee the children of demons will also be demons so it's very unpredictable yeah and and they don't even outrightly say that i just remember when one of the characters is talking about her son she's just like thankfully he had me to know what it was going to be like but it didn't sound like that was always the case right. and when other demons are talking they're like we we don't know why we become what we become or how we become what we yeah. become so i don't feel like it's a sure deal yeah that you're going to be a demon right are demons long lived I don't feel like they mention it, but it doesn't... Hmm. I don't know. I don't think it says either way. I think that's all we have on demons, literally. It's, yeah, we don't we don't have a lot about them. And I actually feel like, although... And maybe it's just like, oh, well, people know about witches, but we re- I feel like we really get the most information about vampires. Agreed. The R's and aren'ts, the do's and don'ts. In, yeah. There's there's a lot more specified things about vampires than there are the other two. Yes. So we know that they are pale and cold-skinned, generally. Right. 
I don't know if that just means that there's like a paling to whatever skin tone they are. I'm I sure like it's just kind of like a it's like a, a pale sheen. A pallor. Yeah. Oh. Like ooh. the pallor of their skin. Yeah, yeah. So cold skinned. It is said that they don't have supernatural abilities, but they have preternatural abilities, which is basically like increased abilities of a human per se. So they have increased sense of smell, hearing, sight, strength, speed, and they're immortal or long-lived. Mm-hmm. We know that when they drink someone's blood, they can sort of steal information from that person's mind or kind of put them in a thrall, mm-hmm. which to me sounds a little supernatural, but I agree. I feel like Diana specifically says they don't have supernatural abilities, mm. but then later on we kind of hear this fact and I'm like, well, that sounds a little supernatural to me, but I agree. Whatever. Whatever. And then actually vampire blood has the effect on those that ingest it. It makes them basically fall into a deep sleep. Yeah. So. Which is weird. <laughs> weird to say the least. So it looks like do nots mm-hmm. for vampires. They do not have to be let in. Mm-hmm. They don't have fangs. They don't have a weakness to garlic, sunlight, holy water, or crosses. And they don't sleep in coffins. I do like that they sort of touch on where those, like, misconceptions kind of come from. Mm -hmm. Like, the garlic thing. It's just like, oh, well, it's a super strong taste and smell. So it's kind of... Heightened. Yeah, so it's sort of unpleasant for them simply because of how strong it is. Not because it harms them in any way. Right. And I can't even remember what the thing was for the coffins, but I I did think it was kind of cool that some of them kind of had a misconception built Mm -hmm. in or like a a rationale that was kind of twisted to, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. Fantasize the whole, the lore of them. Yeah. And also vampires are made by other vampires, obviously, through the transference of the parent vampire's blood to the new vampire but extensive details are not given about what that process is like. Yeah. Like Diana says she wants to ask, but she feels like it's rude. Yeah. But they, I feel like they mention at some point where it seems as if they drain the blood mm-hmm. of the victim and maybe once, maybe multiple times, leading them close to death and then maybe have that person ingest their blood and yes. then... And they didn't say, but maybe it's kind of like other vampire things where it's like once you have human blood, that's when the transformation begins. But yeah. again, they don't they don't give us right. that detail, which <laughs> is yeah. kind of a, I don't know, yeah. I would have thought would have been. But again, maybe it's one of those things they want to leave it vague either to expand on later or don't want to be pigeonholed into. Sure. This is how it works. This is the way it is. <laughs> I wish there was more about demons. Yeah. Uh, I find them fascinating. They seem... I know. It's... Interesting. It's really... I'm just confused about them in general. hmm And I want to know why they're called demons. Yeah. Yeah. And... Why Why does being super smart and, like, almost to a, a point of, like, feeling, you know, so incredibly different that you know that you're something other than human... Yeah. Because that... That's but really, why demon? That's really the only, like, attribute we get of the demons mm-hmm. is, like, the enhanced creativity and intelligence. But mm-hmm. what else makes them what they are? Yeah. 
do what I mean I, I mean they don't even know but how yeah. yeah how what what makes them go oh yeah I'm one of them I'm one of those things <laughs> yeah if they don't I know like that's part of the reason why they're searching for Ashmole 782 is to mm-hmm. get answers as to like their existence but mm-hmm. how do they know this is a demon this is a demon this is a demon mm-hmm. how can they be identified if they're not really even sure of what they are right I, I guess because uh, it's more than just being a genius. It's like right. it, 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 it must be an intelligence that surpasses human capacity and all reason. Yeah. yeah. But there are not, there are strict rules. They are not allowed to be involved in politics yes. or was it religion? I oh, think it is it? religion. Politics, religion, and something else. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Do witches and vampires have the same rule? Because I don't remember them saying. It doesn't seem like that. I mean, you're not meant to draw attention to yourself, so I would assume not. But. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's still a lot of, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. There was an attribute that I did think was super cool. So demons and vampires don't experience it this way, but witches can actually feel the stare the glances the look of other creatures Mm -hmm. and they feel differently yeah which i thought was super cool so if a witch looks at another witch it feels like tingles or possibly pressure if it's dangerous intent if a demon looks at a witch then it feels like pressure on the skin like like a kiss or something and then vampires looks feel to witches like ice or snow or cold and it's super hyper-focused if it's dangerous or something. But mm-hmm. it seems as if only witches feel this. Yeah. And then another thing is witches cannot lie to other witches. Right. They they just know. They can just feel it. They just know. So scary you can't lie, but also it's kind of handy. It's like the no, someone knows that you're telling the truth then, too. That is, yeah, that is true. I did not think of it in that manner. Yeah. But I didn't also really think about it that much at all. I'll be honest. I only really thought about it when Satu was like telling Diana about all the things, like revealing those things about Matthew. Mm -hmm. And Diana's like, that's not true. And Satu's like, you can feel that I'm not lying to you. It's like, oh, snap. Yeah. True. That's true. So. He did kill Jillian. Yep. But he really readily admits to it as well. So it's kind of like. Yeah. And he gives her his reasons. Yeah. Which I mean. What she did was hella shitty. But was it murder worthy was the question. But he Probably felt she not. was a future threat. Yes, that's and true. And she held the idea, the dangerous ideologies of the um, congregation. congregation. So, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Also about vampires is they're like really hot. <laughs> they're really beautiful, as you would expect. This is... This is what we all get, unless your only experience with vampires is Nosferatu, in which case, sorry. (laughs) Um, But in almost every vampire media that's available now, movies, books, they're always usually, like, really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and they even say that your attractiveness or just you in general are enhanced once you become a vampire. So even if you're good looking, like, you'll get taller and possibly more muscular and just even more sexy than you already were exactly i mean it it, it's 
they're a predator and they're meant to attract prey. True. That's probably, that has to be why they're yeah. so how can alluring. You, yeah. How can you feed on something if you can't attract it to you? Exactly. And if you. I mean, you can hunt it down, but. Right. It's if easier <laughs> if you can lure them in. Yeah. Nosferatu was not luring any of his prey. <laughs> that one would have been a no thank you. Yeah. It's going to be a no for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Old Nosferatu. Right. He does have a cool name, though. He does. He does have That's a cool a name. a sick name. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Okay, so now we're going to get into some characters. Characters. And we can run through these really quick and then kind of expand on them through the discussion points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Dr. Diana Bishop, yeah. historian, witch... Matthew Claremont, scientist, doctor, vampire. Hmm. <laughs> aunt Sarah, she's a witch, and Diana's aunt. That's why she's Aunt Sarah. Okay. Aunt Sarah's partner, Aunt M, she's a witch. We've got Peter Knox, who's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> and my notes also say that he's a dick. <laughs> Which is true. It is true. Uh, and then we've got Jillian, who's a witch, and also... A dick. A dick. <laughs> Listen, people just be out here, man. Being dicks. <laughs> Causing trouble. Right. And we've got Satu. She's a witch and a sadist. Literally. Awful. Then we've got Isabo. She's Matthew's mother. She's a vampire. And then we have her housemaid. I don't know. I don't know. It's really kind of what we settled on. Yeah. Yeah. Homemaker, Mart. She is the de Claremont housekeeper slash, and she is a vampire. We've got Marcus. He's Matthew's son and also science partner. He is a vampire. Miriam. She's a research assistant, we think, and a vampire. We've got Hamish Osborne. He's Matthew's very good friend. He's a demon. We've got Juliet, who's a straight up psycho. Yeah. Matthew's ex, and she's a vampire. We've got Domenico, who's a member of the congregation and a vampire. We've got Gerbert, who's a vampire and a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's really briefly touched on, but we've got Agatha Wilson. She is another character's mother. She's the mother to Nathaniel. She is a demon. She is also a congregation council member. So then we've got her son, Nathaniel. He's a demon. And then we have his wife, Sophie, who's also a demon, pregnant with a witch. Intrigue. And I think those are our main characters. I don't, yeah, I don't think there are really very many that we interact with. I guess there would be Baldwin, Matthew's brother, who's Mm -hmm. a vampire, but he's in for like a second. Yeah, he's in there for a bit. So, I guess for like points of discussion, Diana's family. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, well, her mom and her dad. Yeah. Essentially, because, you know, we talked about Aunt Sarah and M, but Diana's parents were both witches. They were very skilled, powerful witches, and they were killed when she was, like, seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So that's why Sarah and M raised Diana. Interesting. We actually talked about this. Most fantasy novels... The protagonist is an orphan. 
They got to kill those parents to give them reason to rise yeah. above. Yeah, they have to raise the stakes from the beginning <laughs> and kill the parents. Yeah. Because, honestly, if you're not an orphan, you're not really going to have the drive to save the world. How can you be a hero and have a, a family that is whole? You can't. And alive. You can't. You can't. And that's clear. <laughs> Literally all of them. Yeah. If I'm thinking of all of the major fantasies, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, Frodo, his parents, dead. Yep. He's got Bilbo. But Thanks, that's Uncle, Uncle Bilbo. Yeah. <laughs> and um, honestly, Bilbo's a little ooh in the head. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> he's not all there. He's, no. So he's really half a parent. <laughs> yes. And let's see. So that's Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, orphan. Let's see. In Game of Thrones, we got some orphans. Yep. I'm not going to tell you which ones yeah. because if you yeah. read it, the the deaths, mm-hmm. they're they're big and, and yeah. they hit hard. But there's orphans in there. Yep. Uh, Harley Merlin, spoiler alert, orphan, mm-hmm. adopted by a lovely family. Like them a lot, but poor girl's parents. <laughs> yeah. In Throne of Glass, Aelin, orphan. Now, in uh, Court of Roses and Thorns, she's not an orphan, but she has one parent that has died. Yes. Yes. So. So she's... If you're not a full orphan, you're at least... Yeah. Halfway there. You're halfway there. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on. I think in the Mistborn series, I think the main character in Mistborn, I think she's an orphan. What about Legendborn? Dead mom. Dang it. Yep. So, yeah. Fantasies and Disney just love killing parents. Yeah. I I mean, they got to free these kids from the shackles of parents. (laughs) You can't have a safe, loving environment. You must be thrust into the world. Yeah. Parentless and alone. They want these protagonists to be reckless Vulnerable. Vulnerable, unprotected, so that they have to try their strengths and save themselves. Mm. How are you expected to do this if you have your parents? So, there you go. I guess that's why I never amounted to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I had four parents. Too many parents. <laughs> so, you re- you really can't do No. You, you have an extra allotment. <laughs> I do. <laughs> So, yeah. So that's the family. I really liked the little bits about her family, like mm-hmm. her parents. Yeah. I do. I always want more than that, though. Yeah. 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 You we know? get to, we get to, I mean, you basically learn that they were both from powerful families, you know, both seemed kind and powerful yeah. themselves yeah. and wonderful, but. Yeah. It's pretty obvious from the beginning that they had made some sort of discovery Mm -hmm. or they were hiding something from everyone else. Which led to their murder. Right. That's pretty clear from the beginning. Yeah. Other than that, they seem like they're just kind of not perfect people, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like they're just kind of painted in a, yeah, they were really wonderful and then they were unjustly murdered. Yes. I do like that Sarah and Em are slightly flawed. Like, Sarah begins the story very prejudiced. Mm -hmm. And she's very stern and kind of set in her ways, very matter of fact. But Mm -hmm. still, you can see how much love and care she has for the people she loves. Yeah. And then Em is, like, very nervous and timid, but Mm -hmm. also 
nurturing. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I liked that Sarah and M were flawed, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really liked them as characters. I also really liked Aunt Sarah and M. I hopefully there will be more of them. They will have a larger role in the mm-hmm. other books because I feel like their characters are really nice. Yes, and I really enjoyed them a lot. Aunt Sarah does try to like goad Diana into attending, which holidays mm-hmm. and using her magic and all of this which i mean it you know that's a typical like parent move yeah go to college right except for it's use your magic yeah <laughs> so i mean that's understandable but her aversion to magic i know that it's explained by her parents death mm-hmm. but i just i don't know why that's not enough of an explanation for me i think I mean, they say, you know, her parents were murdered. I think she grew up thinking that it was humans, though, not witches. Yes. Which actually, I feel like knowing it was witches would make you want to suppress your magic more. But I agree. Knowing it was humans, she was just like, uh, well, I don't want to be murdered. Um, Magic brought them nothing but death. So I don't want that. I just want to be normal. I don't want this burden. Though I will say, I feel like her aversion to magic could have been tied to her being spellbound. Like, maybe being spellbound sort of encouraged or created this desire to not use magic. Maybe. The book doesn't say. That's just just kind of something I thought. It also doesn't really explain what spellbound means because in the beginning it does say that she will randomly use magic. Yeah. Like but it's for small things. To, yeah, to draw things to her. They can sometimes touch things and mm-hmm. get more of a meaning from them. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just need more of an explanation yeah. about the spellbound yeah. thing itself. Yeah. Does it just bind you from. I don't know. I think. The binding is more so that she can't just use it at free will. It's tied to not only her feelings for Matthew, as stated by her mother, but also it's bound by the need rather than the want. So it's like she's able to use it in those instances that she does, the small ones, like fixing the washer Mm -hmm. or doing it for work because she needs it for a purpose, you know, the desire is driven by a must have or must fix rather than a, well, I just want it. So it, yeah, because I feel like if it was driven by want, it would be a lot easier for her, but it's not. And it seems as if the instances that she does use it is either extreme heightened emotion, which I think is only starting to really happen a lot more because because Matthew has come into her life and her powers are supposed to be tied to her relationship with him but also in the times that she does relent and use magic it's more out of and maybe it's not all the time but it just seems like that was one of the other explanations so that must be it's like it's tied to when she needs it to work rather than wanting it to work because she didn't really ever want it to work she only used it when she felt like she didn't really have another choice yeah or didn't realize she was using magic like her whole like puzzle table thing to me Mm -hmm. that's her using magic but not consciously yeah so I don't know I don't know it's murky a little bit. Yeah. There there are things that are clearly stated, and then there's a lot of things still left up for either interpretation or explanation later. I don't know if it's all purposeful or if it's just meant to not back herself into a corner as an author. Right. Hmm. 
mulling that over. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll have to move on. Okay. So I guess Diana and Matthew. Yeah. Their relationship. I will say that on the, cause I listened to this book twice. So on the second round, it bothered me less because the first round, it just felt like there was resistance to the relationship. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I'm all mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, when did this, how, when and how did this happen? Yeah. But after listening to it a second time or reading it a second time, I realized that it, it was a little bit slower. They did get to know each other a little more. And, mm-hmm. and so it was a bit more natural. Was it still fast? Yeah. Yeah. Partially because, I guess, because they were destined to be. But. Yeah. Which. Is fine, I guess. But sometimes, like, can't you just let people choose people because they choose them, not because they're supposed to? Yeah. But, but yeah, I. At least it had a slightly slower progression than as it seemed the first time that I. Yeah. I read it through. It's like the, the mates trope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which. I like it when it's used correct. There's a way to write the mates trope that mm-hmm. d- that feels like they still have a choice. Yes. And then there's when it's written and it's so like ham-fisted. Like in Quarter of Roses and Thorns series. Or is it? Th- did I say that? <laughs> Which one is it? Thorns and Roses. Yeah. Yeah. It's too long of a title. Yeah. Akatar. Okay. Stop it. I, I really... I really hate, like, I don't mind the saying, like, the ACOTAR acronym like that, Mm -hmm. but people on TikTok like to say the acronyms of every single one of them differently, Mm -mm. and I'm just like, oh my god, this is not what we use acronyms for. Nope. We don't create new words with acronyms. Nope. I'm so sorry. And we're only using the first book. Yeah, I will say the ACOTAR series. I do not, I will not say the others like that. Right. Or I will just say the title. I understand it's a long title. Mm -hmm. Should it have been edited? Yes. Yeah. Maybe just call it Thorns and Roses. Yep. You don't need to let us know that it is a court because you're going to tell us multiple times in the book. Just thorns and roses. Right. That would have been perfectly fine. Yep. But in those, we have... (laughs) (laughs) Rant paused for now. (laughs) But no, I totally agree. There are mates in there, but I feel like with mates, there's... There's like sort of a predestined, but it's also just sort of, I don't know. It's just like who you are is meant to be with that person. I don't know if like you were made for each other, but it's still sort of, I don't know. It's like the universe designed you to be each other's perfect match, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be romantic in love, mm-hmm. married, at least from what I can tell. Does it mostly end in that? Yes. Yeah. Does it always or does it absolutely rules have to? No. Yeah. Yeah. But in this, not only it seems like it's it's predestined and it's like and then also her powers are because it was preconceived like her mom saw it in a vision. It's like her powers are tied to her relationship with him. So it doesn't. It didn't seem like there was a choosing of each other. It was just like it was meant to happen. Yeah. Which... And also when you get towards the end of the book and they are talking about Ashmole 782 and 
create the creation that is depicted in that manuscript about it showing her and it showing Matthew. So not only it, are her powers tied to Matthew, but there's also the implication that the continuation of species is tied to their relationship right. and whether they bear a child. So it also almost seems like the removal of choice from who her partner is and whether or not she has a child. <laughs> so it almost feels like, well, this old ass manuscript basically is telling you this is what's happening yeah. to you. Now, luckily they fall in love with each other before those things are revealed. So it's not influencing their decision to be together. It's just sometimes it can be annoying when it's like, yeah. oh, they're me- they're literally supposed to be together. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that, I don't know. It's, I, I've, I read the book, well, I listened to it once and then I read the book on my iPad kind of parallel-ish. But I, I liked at the beginning, Diana, she is, she doesn't really want anything to do with Matthew. She's pretty resistant, but it just seems like he doesn't have too big of an issue breaking through her resistance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like since we're told that there's this huge prejudice between witches and vampires and that so much so that they're meant to be like kept separate, like people actually notice that they're even sitting at the same table. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if it's that big of a deal, I wanted more tension between them. Yeah. Because I felt like I just, I wanted her to brush him off way more. Yeah. For longer. Yeah. And he resists it also, but still not in that way that you're describing. Like, I wish he was resistant to it too until almost like I wish they both Mr. Darcy'd each other. They were like, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't be with you, but I can't keep my feelings to myself anymore. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I, I agree. It would have, I would have liked to have seen more resistance or more like conflict about I it. I wanted so much more conflict. I think that's the major thing that the whole book lacks is conflict. Yeah. They didn't need to hate each other. It didn't need to be like enemies to lovers. Right. They I could, they could, that. you know, they could be friends, but just give me a little more resistance to giving into these, Yeah. These feelings that, you know. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And I also wanted, I wanted Matthew to be more devious because you get the scene where he is watching her through her window Mm -hmm. and watches her go through like an evening routine, watches her reading Mm -hmm. and she leaves her window open. He's like, Mm -hmm. check. I don't have to break into her house. It's open (laughs) for me. He like has that thought. And then he breaks into her house and he's looking through all of her stuff. That's super devious. Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted him to be more devious for longer. Yeah. Because he had the goal. He wants Ashmole 782. Yeah. And I wanted him to be more devious in getting it. Yeah. Like when he found out she didn't actually have it still, like she sent it back to the library. Mm -hmm. Maybe he tries to force her to do the magic to call it back. Right. And... That's why he kidnaps her and takes her to France. Uh, He knocks her out with his vampire blood and she wakes (laughs) up in France and 
he's locked her in a room. I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like it needed to be... I felt like there needed to be more tension and more mm. conflict. And even if you didn't want to do the him capturing her thing, it still could have been like, even if they begin to fall for each other, then it's like when those things are revealed, the things that he's done, the murder, the stalking, the, mm. you know, all these things, rather than her being like, did you do those things? And then him being like, yeah, but here's why. And her going, oh, okay. okay. I would have at least liked her to be like, listen, I see your reasons, but not cool. Had there be more conflict in their values, how they handle situations, just kind of showing the difference in the types of creatures that they are, or yeah. the, even the different types of people that they are, or yeah. the experiences of their life have taught them to treat things differently. Even if they didn't want to, if they didn't want to have them both be automatically prejudiced just because their family is, you could, you could still, I mean, and there was a tiny bit of hesitancy because mm -hmm. they know they're supposed to be prejudiced. Just have them question each other more as they get to know each other. Like I said, they don't have to be straight up enemies, but mm -hmm. have them really converse and disagree a bit. Yeah. I, I would have liked to see a more disagreement yeah. And you can resolve that disagreement, but just let me see them butt heads a little bit rather than yeah. ju just resigning to the other. Yeah. It it does seem like they, neither one of them dig their heels in, I think, as much as, because we are told that Diana is stubborn. We're told that Matthew is like a dark guy mm -hmm. and he has like a dark past, mm -hmm. but we don't really see any of that. Yeah. We don't ever see Matthew really lose his temper and freak out. Like yeah. he kills Jillian off page. Yeah. Maybe put in the scene where he kills her. Yeah. Yeah. If and, well, gonna... and, and we do see his temper flare, but it's all towards her, which can... I think that sometimes, and I don't think that this book does it, but it gets dangerously close to romanticizing. Agreed. Anger. Towards your partner. Yes. Yes, I agree. They, they veil it in the, you know, and again, this is another thing that draws them to each other beyond their their choice, but the the prey predator, it's like the mm -hmm. smell of her, the, the, yes. the desire for the taste of her is so much stronger. Kind of like Edward and Bella, oh, at, yeah, you know, yeah. her scent and blood was like drugs to him like no one else. It's like, it kind of seemed like it was that a little bit mm -hmm. for him. So it was just another thing that drew them to each other. But yeah, his predatorness like informed a lot of his like little angry outbursts. And occasionally it just rode that line a little close for me where we're I starting agree. to romanticize that kind of excusing yes kind of rage behavior <laughs> right. in a way i don't i don't yeah, know i agree and um, which is odd because we don't ever see matthew lose his temper with other people yeah maybe think, maybe he gets extra stern yes but he like, doesn't yeah he doesn't like lose control of himself with other people really right. and he doesn't necessarily lose his control with diana but he gets a little intimidating and a little mm -hmm. you know scary in moments and i yeah. don't know if it's the prey predator thing playing into it but yeah i agree it, that's a little i would have rather had a scene where he kills Jillian mm -hmm. and we see it mm -hmm. because there is random chapters that are from his POV. Mm -hmm. So it's not like having the scene would have 
meant that Diana knew it was happening. Right. We went with him to Scotland. Mm-hmm. We are with him when he's watching Diana sleep. Yeah. So we could have easily gone with him back to Oxford to kill Jillian. Yeah. It would have been super easy. And I just feel like if you're going to tell us that this character is dangerous mm-hmm. and dark and we need to walk on eggshells a little bit, mm-hmm. I kind of want to see yeah. him act that way. Yeah. And and a- have Diana snap yes. back on him a little bit for exactly. it. Or at least challenge it a little bit. Yeah. Challenge. You know? I, yeah. I wanted her to challenge him. Mm-hmm. And maybe even after... Uh, Satu tells her that he like snuck into her apartment and watched her mm-hmm. in her sleep mm-hmm. and killed Jillian. Maybe she doesn't excuse that completely. And right. she's like, listen, you stay here mm-hmm. in France. I'm going to America to my Aunt Sarah's and I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. And yeah. then maybe he just disregards it and follows her anyway. Right. right. I don't know. Right. But, Right. Or just like a, hey, I still love you. I'm not, I'm not going to play games here, but like that was messed up. Yeah. And you best not pull crap like that. (laughs) Something rather than just, oh, okay. Right. You know? Right. It's weird because. Have her place, like you said, even, even if it's not her going to a different continent, just like her placing a boundary of some kind. I know. I don't know. Their their relationship is full of a lot of respect in a lot of moments as well. Maybe not a lot, but there are moments where you can see glimmers of respect between the two of them or him respecting certain choices that she wants to make or, or whatever. But I, you know, so it's like we have a mix. It's just some of it rides certain lines for me that kind of are like, "Eh." yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it just, I don't know. I like when the necessary tension exists mm-hmm. between characters mm-hmm. and when it's not there, it feels a little flat. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cause that's... then it, and then it feels like it fell into insta love, even though it wasn't, it just. Yeah. It, it was. It, she, it, it's like there's slight resistance and then all of a sudden it was, oh, and then she swept up. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. So it still it's, felt. It's like swift love. Yeah. Cause I think swift she love. does even state that from the time that they met to the time where they time walk mm-hmm. is like one month, like think, 40 I days. I think you're right. I think you're right. So. Cause I mean, even their families are like, you barely know each other. It's what the ever loving heck. It's wild and crazy. <laughs> like that's insane. 40 days. That. I probably have heavy cream in my fridge that is older than that. <laughs> and they get emotionally <laughs> married at least twice in that span of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first time was like two weeks in. <laughs> what? It's just there. there's a lot of fight between personal agency and destiny. And I just think that yeah. there wasn't enough personal agency. It felt more predestined. I agree. And I know that this is a fantasy and we have to like suspend reality, especially for something because you, the faded mates or whatever, right. but this feels way more. You don't have a choice mm-hmm. than the mate trope Yeah, with the spellbound and the way that creation is hinging. Upon yes. Yes. It, and it, there's a lot of pressure. It, there's a lot of pressure and it just feels like 
And like I said, even though they chose to love each other before they knew these things, it's still, yeah, it's still just, yeah, you were going to be together no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And I, I could feel like reading that my own personal resistance to something, because even if I feel like if even if I loved met this person and I was like, I think I love this person mm-hmm. after 30 days, I probably would not be thinking that gonna be honest but sure (laughs) if we're gonna live in this world maybe I do if I were to then find out that there's this whole expectation literally the continuation of my species depended on me procreating with this person Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, my immediate response is to reject it and to just fight or flight right like okay um I hear what you're saying but I'm I'm out now right that's a lot we can be friends but I think you'll find somebody else <laughs> to fill this role because right. that's too much right. for me. You want me to mother an entire generation? No. Nah. Which no one said she had to mother an entire generation, but that's probably what it would feel like. It really would. Yeah. I mean, it's just the whole that that premise really, really made my yeah. fight or flight instinct they just wanted they just kept piling on the reasons why the congregation was after them first it was just ashmole 782 and then it's oh well they're also in an unsanctioned relationship yeah you know and diana's blood is fucking insane (laughs) she's uber powerful beyond anything that she should be yeah and that made me also have an interesting thought about the way that like when i first they were first talking about her DNA. I was like, oh, she's going to be special. Yeah. I think I actually write write that. Uh, is she special? Most likely. <laughs> um, it's but that, what do they call it? Like the Mary Sue trope. The Mary Sue trope. And that's what I wrote in here. What did I write? It says, Diana's DNA is no surprise. She has markers for every witch power that exists and some that aren't known. So this makes her Mary Sue, although I hate that term. Yes, I do too. Because... The implication of the Mary Sue, you being perfect in every way, having all the powers, being really pretty, being whatever. When it's, when all of those things are concentrated into a female character, she's a Mary Sue. But Mm -hmm. if a male character is super handsome, has all the powers, we don't have a term for that. I feel like I heard one once, but it was probably just something that person made up. (laughs) I've literally never... You know what I mean? Like, they were probably, like, calling him or something, but it's not a... Yeah. I've never heard a male version of that. The Mary Sue male version. If anyone knows it, if it exists, please tell me, because it makes me feel a lot better. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like I have read so many books where the male characters can be the most powerful fey male in history or Mm. whatever, and... Nobody bats an eye. They're like, oh, yeah, of course. He's buff. He's hot. He's the most powerful. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. But then you have a female (laughs) character who has all the powers, is super smart, and they're like, oh, this is so unbelievable. She's such a Mary Sue. (laughs) Just handing it. Handing it all to her. Just... Okay. All the powers. And then you have, like, other branches of that. You have... If she doesn't have any of the powers, she's a damsel in distress. She's two-dimensional. She can't mm-hmm. take care of herself. This is the hero complex. Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. She's going to get fridged. <laughs> she's All she's there is so that the male character can have the hero trope. Mm-hmm. So it's either Mary Sue or damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And then you have the not-like-other-girls trope where she 
like with Diana, she like doesn't really fix her hair a lot. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup. She's not concerned with her clothes, which I don't care about. Right. But then that makes people think she's a not like other girls mm-hmm. girl. But if she's too girly. And she's the girl next she's, door. She's the girly girl. She's vain. Yeah. She's superficial. She's not smart. Mm-hmm. What do you want from a female character? <laughs> she has to not wear makeup, but also want to wear makeup. Right. But if she wears makeup and is smart, then she's an other girl also. It's like, what? <laughs> You cannot yeah. win writing true. a female character. Very true. Very true. So this was the tangent that I had in my notes. Like, <laughs> where do you win? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, if I'm writing a female character, in my mind, I'm like, she's getting it all. I don't give a fuck. She's getting it all. <laughs> if he can have it all, so can she. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's also an element in fantasy in several books that I've read where in the end... The female character sacrifices her power. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I will say this right now. If I ever finish writing a fantasy book, she's not losing her power at the end. Or a lot of times they get pregnant or or destined to be pregnant or something to do with that as well. It just feels... Like, so reductive. Yeah. But I've never read a fantasy novel with a male protagonist where he has to sacrifice his powers at the end. Right. Never once. Yeah. But I have read female characters sacrifice their powers multiple times. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's a good question. I need someone out there to explain it to me. Right. Right. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the character becoming pregnant, but usually they use it as a story device to either then... Have her become a side character or going from the strong forward one to then being the protected damsel. Yes. Kind of thing, too. Or it's just like in Diana's case, it's like, yeah, well, you're you got to get pregnant because we got to continue the the line of creatures. Like, exactly. You you have to do this for us. Then you then then you're reduced to being a vessel rather than just being. A powerful, intelligent witch. Yeah. Just who, who can win in the end and still have it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't know how this is going to end, but. Yeah. We have not finished the series. Yeah. It's just. And I'm perfectly fine with Diana having all the powers. Right. Yeah. Do it. That I mean, I Like would. you said, they do it with all the, you know. The Yeah, exactly. Everybody's got the destiny. Everybody's got the power. Everybody, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm here for all of it. Yeah. So I just really hate it whenever people have that criticism. When they use it. When they're like, she's a Mary Sue. <sighs> so friggin' what? Who cares? And don't call her that. Listen, this is fantasy. Yeah. I want as much magic out here on the page as possible. Exactly. And, and at least it wasn't for no reason. It was like, yeah, uh, they didn't want the descendant of the proctors and the descendant of the bishops to get married because they knew that child right would result and have great power because exactly. those are two powerful lines so yes. at least it's not just uh you know she woke up one day and she was destined to be strong it's like well no yeah. it's like actually her parents were from really strong lines too yeah exactly so. Whatever. yeah so i mean and then but. speaking of power just while we were talking about it 
They act like the congregation is so powerful. It's three vampires, three witches, three demons. Yeah. They kind of like make decrees and deals. It's like, don't be marrying between species. It draws too much human attention. Yeah. Don't be meddling with the humans. But is it just because of the followers and the fact that there could be so many people that are caught up in their ideology? Like what makes them so scary and powerful? It has to be the followers as well. It has to be all the The people that would... That would back them and yeah. go to bat for them. Yeah. It, it has to be. Yeah. Because when you really think about it, I'm like, it's the same number as what they have in the mm-hmm. conventicle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think as with most power structures, they derive their power from their underlings. So yeah. that has to be it. Yeah. Now that we're on the congregation, I wish we got more congregation as well. Yeah. We didn't get literally any. We just had their foot soldiers like yeah peter knox yeah was i think he was a member of the congregation yeah and all he did was like walk by in a library <laughs> and then after that and like intimidate diana yeah. when she yeah. met with the dean or whatever mm-hmm. he intimidates her and then dang what happens to him does he i don't think anything happens to him oh well because he's a congregation member i can't i yeah. guess he can't murder <laughs> jillian was like his lackey right and Obviously, right. Matthew kills her. But yeah, we've got him, and then we've got Agatha. She mm-hmm. was a congregation member. And mm-hmm. then I think Domenico yeah, is yeah. a congregation member. So we yeah. meet a member, of, like one member from each creature group, each faction, but not all of them. And I don't know. It's just like they kind of pop in and are a bit menacing. Yeah. Did they feel incredibly dangerous like did we get we didn't get to learn more of the structure of their i guess you could call it a government governing bodies ruling group right we got these three representations that just basically made threats yeah but they were yeah there wasn't much more than that there wasn't much more than that and and maybe there's more to come on that. Maybe that's why it right. was kind of left. Yeah. But it, they just made it seem so big and bad and scary. Yeah. And again, it must just be because they have like foot soldiers at their beck and call. But yeah, it just, it didn't feel reading it. I didn't feel any particular risk. It's like with... they're breaking the rules, but there right. wasn't. Yeah. There wasn't like people a, a large group like hounding, chasing yeah. them down. They're still pretty under the radar at this point. Right. Like they're on the radar, but they're not. They're not being actively pursued. Like Diana got picked up, but it was mostly because Satu wanted information on Ashmole Seven Eighty Two. She didn't do that because the congregation told her to. No, she did it because the sure bear. Yeah, because the witches yeah. wanted to learn things from her. Yeah. I don't yeah. think the congregation's really made, other than Domenico's threats and, and stuff, you know, they really haven't taken action because even Peter Knox's threats were on his own or witch's, witch kind Which, behalf, yeah. not yeah. not the, the congregation. congregation. Yeah, I felt like there could have been a little more pursuit. Mm-hmm. It would have raised the stakes a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always feel like I need more the stakes to be raised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I mean, it's a fantasy, so I feel like the stakes are just going to be high in a yeah. fantasy novel. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But 
And I'm not, and I'm not trying to like only point out the faults. Obviously there are things about this book that I actually really like. Yeah. But they're just things that make you think and wonder. And, and I guess those things and wonders kind of come out as a criticism, but it's really just a, yeah. Where are we going to go with this? What more are you going to show me in the future? Yeah. I'm interested to read the other two. Yeah. It's a trilogy. Yeah. And see if the questions are answered, but I do feel like we need to point out the elephant in the room and that's twilight. (laughs) (laughs) That sweet, sparkly elephant. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I didn't think about twilight at first, Mm -hmm. like when I was first listening to it, but whenever Matthew's like, it's like the switch in his mind flips and he goes into, like, protector mm-hmm. mode. Mm-hmm. Like, first he's being, like, mischievous. Yes. He's flirting with her, trying to use his vampire allure to... Get information. Get Ashmole 782. But then the switch flips and he's protector. And then the way that he talks to Diana, I was I was at work listening to this and I immediately was like, that is straight up Twilight, isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? And then I think I <laughs> ended off some of my notes. This is this is what I said. Now that I've realized the similarities, I can't get past it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. It, that it was really just that day. Yeah. But I was. My conclusion was that this book has to be inspired by Twilight because the Claremonts all only feed on animals. Mm-hmm. Matthew keeps saying that he's dangerous and he's drawn to the smell of Diana and her blood. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever actually see him do anything dangerous. Much like Edward never does anything dangerous. The only kill that Matthew makes is off page. The only kill that Edward makes is also off page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew doesn't want to turn Diana into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And he tries to hide her from other vampires and other creatures. Yeah. Which, well, I guess if he made her a vampire, then she couldn't mother a whole nation. But right. but it is noted, it's like, hey, if you just make her a vampire... All the issues will go away. Right. I think Isabo says that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, she's like, hey, just... And I get that the whole thing is much bigger than that, but... Right. But yes, yeah, all of those things are very similar. It's really, yeah. But, you know, everything is derivative of something else. Right. So... Every vampire lore pulls something mm-hmm. or or rejects something of the previous yeah. notion. I th- and I think that's why we got so many, like, do's and don'ts. Right. I did really like that even though Matthew and his vampire family feed on animals, it is not uh, treated as a moral superiority. Right. Like, whenever I read Twilight when I was younger, I always kind of felt like... The Cullens had this moral superiority because they were, like, vegetarian. Right. And I, I thought it was silly because, I mean, you have to eat to survive no matter if you're a human or a vampire. Right. And while I don't condone murder, mm-hmm. vampires are not real. We're operating in a fantasy world. Right. So you have to, like, loosen your morals yeah. just a hair. I'm going to need a vampire that is dextering it up out here and killing killers. Yes. 
Exactly. Help me out here. I would yes. love to see that. <laughs> I would also love to see it. I, would I like... feel like there was just like a blip of a mention that maybe when at some point in Matthew's life, he like would kind of vet his victims. And maybe I'm totally making this no, up No, I head. think there is something in there about but that. But it, it was just a blip. And I don't know that that was always how he operated. But rather than just a point in your life, give me a vampire that's like bloodthirsty. Right. I eat humans, but I eat the bad ones. And I make sure that they're bad. Yeah. They can slip up or they cannot slip up. They've been at this for a while. Their slip ups were many a yays ago. Yeah. (laughs) No one on the earth now was alive then. Right. They've got it down (laughs) pat. They've got their system. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But they kill people that 100% certain are bad people. Yeah. And they drink their blood. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of what you come to a vampire story for, right? Mm-hmm. You're coming into the story with your eyes open. Yeah. You know that vampires drink blood. Oh, but he's a good one. He only eats animals. Uh, let him eat a murderer. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? I think I'd rather have Bambi alive. <laughs> I'll keep Bambi as a pet, and you can go kill that psychopath over yeah. there that keeps people in his basement. Right. Eat that piece of trash and yeah. let Bambi frolic in the fields. Exactly. I will frolic with Bambi. He can go murder basement guy. And I will and not be mad at him. We're all going to be happier for it. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes sense. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't think we I had anything else, really. I think that was all. Yeah. I mean, because the there's not really much to say about Ashmole 782 that we haven't already said, because there's exactly. still really not a lot known yeah, about it. Don't so know. that's yeah. still kind of pending. It, it really is. Um, it really is. And, yeah. I think we've talked about all the themes, too. Like, the yeah. destined love, forbidden love, predator, prey. Yeah. Partner or prey. Right. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think we covered all of the things we wanted to talk about. There is a show. I watched a handful of minutes of it earlier. <laughs> so I don't have a I don't have a judgment on yeah. it. Yeah. I would I would like to watch it. The yeah. actors look like good actors. I yeah. mean I've seen them in other things, so they look like they might be decent choices, but I can't I, say until I see them yeah. do the thing. I will say that I did like that. The actors that I saw, like Diana and Jillian, they're age appropriate. So, yeah. like, because Diana's supposed to be like 33. Yeah. So, I'm glad that they cast an actor who's, she's clearly like in her 30s. Yeah. And didn't cast someone who's like 20. Yeah. I do, yeah, I, I, I did like that she was a woman in her 30s. Yeah. Because most books yes. are women or men or young ladies and young guys that are like barely out of high like they're adults but they're like 19 or 21 like it was kind of it was for sure refreshing to be like ah a woman i agree ah a man like they've they're they've grown out of their 20s yes exactly (laughs) i i completely agree and like of course because she is a tenured professor at an mm-hmm. Ivy League college, she cannot be in her 20s. Right. Like, time-wise, technically, you could probably have your doctorate in your 20s. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe. Because doctoral programs could be five years long or six, depending yeah. on what it is. Wow. So, like, if you finish college at 22, depend. I know, like, Harvard, if you are going to graduate school, like, for the English department, you skip a master's degree and you do a five-year program and come out with your doctorate. Yeah. So, like... You could theoretically, if you went to Harvard, I don't know about Yale, but theoretically, if you went to Harvard, you could graduate your undergrad at 22 and start their grad school and finish it at 27 or 28 and have a doctorate. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to be a tenured professor with multiple published works. No. 33 is young for that. Yeah, true. But... I am glad that it was it was a character in her 30s. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I liked that too. You are just better in your 30s. I'm better and well, I'm pretty much the exact same, but <laughs> I feel like I could be better in my 30s. I I've known people that literally cried when they turned 30. I was excited. I was excited for the new chapter of my life to not mm-hmm. be considered a child anymore mm-hmm. because Every if you're twenty if you're twenty anything you're still a child you don't have your life together and you're an idiot in yeah. the eyes of many people yeah so I was ready to be in a phase of my life where people would look at me with uh, a, a slight modicum of possible respect yeah yeah <laughs> not discounted simply because my age started with a two <laughs> yeah that is true but yeah I my brain's done growing I'm. Mm-hmm. more solid in who I am as a person, mm-hmm. what I want. Mm-hmm. I just feel more secure. I've I've liked my 30s so far. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I don't really feel any different being 32 than I did when I was I don't know, 27, 28, 29. Mm-hmm. Feels pretty much the exact same. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just don't it, it's just not that deep to me, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm always I'm always excited for, you know, continuing to live rather than the alternative. <laughs> when I, mean, I yeah. when I turn forty, I, I don't want to cry. I want to be thankful that I'm 40. still rocking this yeah. earth. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's, that's I mean that's still young. Yes. Listen, my grandparents are seventy five years old, and they are out here traversing the country all the time, like living their best lives. Yeah. My They're dad's 75. in his set. My dad is in his seventies, <laughs> and he's going out dancing three nights a week. Yeah, he's living it up. Yeah, he goes out. Da- he's gone out more. He's gone out dancing more, probably even in the last year than I have in my entire life. I've literally never been out dancing. <laughs> that is just not my jam. And I did not inherit his his like smooth skills on the dance floor. Yeah. Okay, this man does like the whole. Not the 50 swing where you're lifting people up in the air, but, you know, he does the, you know, he get, he pass, get, swirling people and passing your arms, sure. you know, in cool looking way, you know. Yeah. He's smooth as heck on the dance floor. Getting, Me? Getting down. You might get, like, you know, pointing fingers, bopping back and forth. Like, yeah. that's the extent of my yeah. skills. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was a ballet dancer for eight years, but that does not translate to club dancing. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. I did tap for a year. Let's make a routine and test it out. I I was a tap dancer for a time. 
I was, even better. <laughs> I started tap, jazz, and ballet when I was about five. Dang girl. And I did tap, jazz, and ballet until I was uh, about 14, so like nine years. Dang ballet, girl. I was best at ballet, but yeah. I'm impressed. I was on a competition team in junior high as well. Okay, yeah, we're getting you on the dance floor, and I'm checking, <laughs> I'm checking these skills out. <laughs> um, I can tondu with the best of them. You know, the, the club dance... Maybe we'll just, just have a house party. Have a house party of. <laughs> yeah, I'm not afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not afraid to be out there, do doing it. Right. It just might not look that cool. <laughs> it will to me, buddy. It will to me. I mean, I dance with the dogs a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. me too. Because they really enjoy it, especially Artie. <laughs> he like runs in a circle. My dogs know? kind of bark like they. <laughs> it's like they're like this is too much. <laughs> Too much excitement. April just gets confused. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't know what's happening. Oh man. Well, do you wanna do you wanna share your rating for the book? Um, yes. So I rated this one three out of five stars. Uh I would go with three point five if it was allowed, but Goodreads does not allow it. It does not let you. I enjoyed a lot of elements of the book. The research in the academia parts, I really particularly enjoyed. I thought they were really well done. And there's a lot of references to real myths and uh, history. Like, alchemy was a real subject that was studied. Mm-hmm. And, like, the witches, a lot of the witches' names were legitimate witches that were tried and executed. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. I wish there were more about demons, of course, and I feel like in later books they will get more page time. I think that's inevitable, so I guess this one is really just meant to pick your curiosity Yes, and, well, satisfy that Mm -hmm. in the next ones, but I just still wanted them. And I wanted the conflict between Diana and Matthew. Yes. I just wanted it so much more. Uh, The semi-insta-love element didn't uh, give enough tension for me. I thought the story needed more tension. And I wanted her to ignore him more, resist him more, and uh, downright refuse to go to France. <laughs> I really wanted her to refuse to go to France. I did like at least that it was like she did refuse, and he's like, but I got a alchemical yeah. manuscript. He did lure her <laughs> with the book, but made it much more palatable. Yes. I, I still would have preferred... I really pre- would have preferred a kidnapping right yeah. there. That sounds really <laughs> terrible. I just feel like it would have made the story a little more compelling. Yeah. Because, uh, or at least more forced. Maybe not straight up kidnap, but at least like yeah. against her wishes, and she they kind of have to fight it out, argue it out. Yeah. And that I, he did it. I do think that the reader would reconcile to Matthew actually like taking her. Yeah. Because she's her life has been threatened. Blah blah blah. Obviously, she doesn't understand the yeah. She doesn't like ex- accept, accept the danger the she's in. Not that she doesn't understand it. She's yeah. She's kind of she's yeah. in denial yeah. about all of this happening. Yeah. So maybe he just like gives her some of his vampire blood. She's knocked out. She wakes up in France, and the reader's like, I understand that you did that because it was best for her. She right. she was in danger. Right. I feel like I would have liked that a little more, but yeah. You know. Yeah. Overall, 
I did enjoy the book. It sounds like I didn't. I know. <laughs> but I, I really, I did. I know. I know. I, I, I agree with you on pretty much every point. Um, my score is more of a 3.5 to a 4 out of 5. So it's a little higher. I think mostly because I did enjoy some of those, like, the slower moments of the book. I enjoyed those that I, I liked the history. And I also liked the medical research science part of it, too. I agree. That was thought, the cool part. I, I just, it showed a lot of depth and research and just to make this, uh, you know, I so I really enjoyed those parts a lot. And just the hope for potential, like the, the hopeful potential answers to the things that are still like kind of left vague. So my score is just a little higher, just in hopes that those, (laughs) those (laughs) things are realized. But yeah, I, I agree with you on all those points and have, have the same, if not very, very similar issues with a lot of the stuff, but overall it was, it was enjoyable for me. And and on the second read, uh, the fact that I kind of was able to enjoy it more made mm-hmm. it even better for me rather than like, uh, nit- I could nitpick more. It was like, no, I actually enjoyed it more. You yeah. know, it, it all clicked a little more. So I'm hopeful for a little more elaboration in the future, but yeah. Perfect. Uh, locked in. Excellent. Okay. So that concludes our coverage of a discovery of witches. Yes. Next week is going to be a, Debbie Downer. Yeah, it's not, it's not happy. We're we're no Mary it. Sue's. We're going no, straight to Debbie Downer. Total opposite. Um, we're gonna do 1984 by George Orwell. Will we talk for an hour and a half about that book, or will it just simply be? I don't know. <laughs> will... There's a lo- the problem with that book is it's so allegorical. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I could sum up everything that happens in the book in like one minute right that's right but so so we'll see how it goes but we're we're trying to you know read variety so yeah yeah we're trying to mix it up yeah um interestingly our first three books are all written by women yes so this will be our first male author (laughs) variety (laughs) i like it yes as we said before please rate and review us on all those platforms we know we mentioned before and email us let us know if there's a boy mary sue term please i would really like to know i mean i could google it yeah let us know your thoughts um give us book recommendations you know whatever yeah chat with us (laughs) yeah whatever you want to say we're here unless it's like you know rude then then we'll ignore you (laughs) yes (laughs) Brood free zone. Sorry, <laughs> we're we're just gonna be like goblin made metal. We're only gonna take in that which makes us stronger. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I could reference Harry Potter all the time, every day, all day. Yes, <laughs> and it will never get old. It and it always works. It like always works. Can't, Can't deny, deny it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, our tunes and artwork is all created by the We Read Books crew. So. Way to go, crew. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly because we do our own work for free. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah. yeah. No sponsors. This is just for for kicks. <laughs> That's right. Unless somebody out there wants to sponsor us, in which case it kind of depends on who you are, though. Right. Shoot us an email. Yeah, we'll think it through. <laughs> a coffee company, maybe, if you want to send us your coffee, that'd be cool. Yeah. Phone cases? We both have phones. That's true. Case to pie, what's up? <laughs> I have had, like, so many of your cases, so. And I have not yet, but would love to have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, until we meet again, keep your secrets. And read books. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Bye. I'll Peter Zane. Goodbye. <laughs>